In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let us kneel. Holy Mary, Mother of God, glorious Queen of heaven and earth, powerful protectress of those who love Thee, and unfailing advocate of all who invoke Thee, look down, we beseech Thee, from Thy throne of glory on Thy devoted children. Accept our solemn resolution to venerate Thee especially in this month of May, and our ardent desire that by our fervent love we may worthily honor Thee, who next to God art deserving of all honor. O Mother of Grace, deign to pray for us without ceasing to the Blessed Trinity, that we may have the grace to be ever victorious over the devil, the world, and all our perverse passions. Infuse into our souls the Spirit of Christ and teach us thyself to become meek, humble, charitable, patient, and submissive to the will of God. May our hearts burn with love of thy divine Son and of thee, his blessed Mother. Dearest Mother, grant us a mother's blessing and a mother's care, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail, O Mary, Mother of God, Virgin and Mother. We venerate Thee, Mother of God. Hail, O Mary, Mother of God, Holy Temple, in which God Himself was conceived. We venerate Thee, Mother of God. Hail, O Mary, Mother of God, Chaste and Pure Dove. We venerate Thee, Mother of God. Hail, O Mary, Mother of God, Thou didst enclose in Thy sacred womb the one who cannot be encompassed. We venerate Thee, Mother of God. Hail, O Mary, Mother of God, through Thee came to us the conqueror and the triumphant vanquisher of hell. We venerate Thee, Mother of God. Hail, O Mary, Mother of God, through Thee blossoms the splendor of the resurrection. We venerate Thee, Mother of God. Hail, O Mary, Mother of God, Thou hast saved every faithful Christian. We venerate Thee, Mother of God. Hail, O Mary, Mother of God, who can praise Thee worthily, O glorious Virgin Mary. We venerate Thee, Mother of God. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with Thee. Blessed art Thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of Thy womb, Jesus. Today is the third Sunday after Easter, and obviously we are now also in the month of May which we dedicate in a special way to the Blessed Virgin Mary. According to the Fathers of the Church, for example, St. Ephraim, St. Augustine, St. John Damascene, St. Anselm, St. Bernard, St. Bonaventure, and St. Thomas Aquinas, devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary is necessary for salvation. Thus, when we practice devotion 
to the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's not just a question of piety. We are most assuredly contributing to the salvation of our souls. St. Louis de Montfort says the following, quote, I do not think anyone can acquire an intimate union with our Lord and a perfect fidelity to the Holy Ghost without a very great union with the Most Holy Virgin and a great dependence on her assistance. Close quote. This is what this month of May is supposed to help us do. It's to help us have a an ever greater union with the Most Holy Virgin and to depend more and more on her intercession and assistance. Whenever we have a particular need, a particular difficulty, a particular intention, we should turn with fervor and with confidence to our Blessed Mother, the Most Holy Mother of God. God wants us to depend greatly on her assistance. And again, according to these words of St. Louis de Montfort, if we don't have this, that is, a very great union with the Most Holy Virgin and a great dependence on her assistance, then we're not going to be able to acquire an intimate union with our Lord, which obviously is what's most important. And we're not going to be able to acquire a perfect fidelity to the Holy Ghost, which obviously is also what is most important. There are many who talk about faith in Jesus and union with Jesus. Many who also talk about the Holy Ghost and being inspired by the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. But it is only by devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary that we are on the true path in both of these both in terms of our relationship with Jesus and our union with Him, and in our fidelity to the promptings of the Holy Ghost. So, hopefully you'll be encouraged then during this month of May to make an effort to unite yourselves more to Mary and implore more than ever her tender and powerful intercession. Again, this... Uniting yourselves more to Mary, imploring more and more her tender and powerful intercession. This is the sure path to a more intimate union with our Savior Jesus Christ and greater fidelity to the inspirations of the Holy Ghost. And when we say uniting yourself to Mary, we could say particularly, you know, that the main way or ways that you unite yourselves to Mary are meditating upon her life, looking at her. And when I say looking at her, I don't just mean looking at the image of our Blessed Mother. The image of our Blessed Mother is there in our churches and in our chapels and in our homes so that we can really look at her, meaning meditating on her life and on her virtues and imitating those virtues. This is what it means to unite ourselves to Mary. Meditate on her life. Imitate her virtues. This really is the primary purpose of the rosary, which is why the rosary is such a powerful prayer. 
Because the rosary always remember, it's not primarily praying the great prayers of the Our Father and Hail Mary, however important this is, and it's also essential to the rosary. There's no such thing as the rosary if you don't pray, you know, the Our Father and the Hail Mary. But what is primary in the Holy Rosary is that by means of these prayers that we be meditating upon the life of Christ and the Blessed Virgin Mary and imitating their virtues. And this is why the Holy Rosary unites us marvelously to our Savior Jesus Christ and the Blessed Mother. It's not just some magic. The point is we are making the effort to meditate on the life of our Blessed Mother to admire her life, to love her life, and then more and more to then desire to also imitate her life and imitate her virtues. Consider the following. If I would love what God loves, then I must have an intense love for Most Holy Mary, for whom God has done such great things. Because obviously the love of God for our Blessed Mother is without parallel. But if I want to strive to love what God loves, and that should be all of our goal, then we must strive for an intense love of Mary Most Holy. She is supremely dear to Jesus, our Savior. Supremely dear to our Savior. She must be that dear then to us. She gave Him that human body which for our sakes was scourged and crucified, that body whereon we are fed even today in the Most Holy Eucharist. The fountain of His all-redeeming blood had its source in her immaculate heart. She loved Him as no other loved Him sharing all his joys and all his sorrows as no other could. How then can I love Jesus unless I love Mary also? Listen to the following, because the following, it's a beautiful example of our Catholic spirituality and our Catholic tradition. The following are some of the praises that are offered by the fathers of the church. We can say the greatest saints and teachers of the faith over the centuries. The following are some of the praises offered by the fathers of the church to the most pure and blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God. They express how much we should love her, how much God loves her, and they also express the marvelous things that God has done in the Blessed Virgin Mary. So this is, these are the, an example of the praises offered to her by the fathers of the church. The new Eve, the mother of life, the reconciler of the whole world, redeemer of captives, our liberator from our calamities, mother of all the faithful, the hope of malefactors, Fair daughter, virgin, honor, glory, and firmament of the church, mother of God and of us all, the sinner's ladder, the breath of Christians, the morning rising, 
the dawn of day, the heavenly chariot, the land overflowing with milk and honey, mother of life, of beauty, of majesty, mother clad in light, the garden enclosed, the fountain sealed up, my sweet love, my honor, my great hope of salvation, the queen of heaven, the flower of the field, the lily of the world, the fountain of life, the guide of my pilgrimage, the mother of all good things, companion of the Redeemer, co-redemptress, authoress of everlasting salvation, mystical new heaven, scepter of orthodoxy, temple of Solomon, cedar of Lebanon, fair olive tree, vine always growing, queen of the world, Glory of Jerusalem, joy of Israel, honor of our people, glory of virginity, indestructible temple, the masterpiece of God. This morning I want to give you an example of some of the saints and one blessed in terms of devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary to inspire you, to inspire us to grow in our devotion to the Most Holy Mother of God. The first one is St. John Damascene. St. John Damascene, Doctor of the Church, is the outstanding champion of sacred images. He is known as the Doctor of Christian Art and the Doctor of the Assumption. He was born in the year of our Lord, 676, and he is known as the last of the Greek Fathers. The Eastern Roman Emperor Leo III, the Isaurian, who was emperor from 717 to 741, he forbade all his subjects to keep any images or icons of the saints. So in defense of Catholic Church teaching on sacred images, St. John Damascene opposed the emperor. And what did Emperor Leo III do? He forged a letter and so convinced the caliph that St. John was plotting against him. The caliph, believing the emperor, had St. John's hand cut off as a punishment. But St. John Damascene then prayed to the Blessed Virgin Mary, reminding her, quote, This hand often wrote hymns and canticles in praise of thee, and many times offered the sacred body and blood of thy Son in thy honor for the salvation of all sinners. Close quote. He continued his prayer all night. Then Mary appeared to him and said, Be comforted, my son, in the Lord. He can restore thy hand, who has made the whole man from nothing. Then she took the hand from where it had been hung in the monastery. And in a moment, it was restored to his arm. St. John Damascene teaches, quote, In giving us the incarnate word to be our Redeemer, Mary has obtained for us all the graces we need for salvation. And like an inexhaustible spring, she continues to pour them out upon us. Close quote. Next example is St. Ignatius of Loyola. 
St. Ignatius was a noble Spanish knight whose early life was that of a worldling rather than that of a Christian. Inigo Lopez de Loyola was born in the year of our Lord, 1491, in northern Spain, the youngest of 13 children. His mother died soon after his birth. Inflamed by the ideals of knighthood, Inigo entered the military and had a great desire for fame. When the French invaded his country in May, the month of Our Lady, 1521, Ignatius confessed his sins in a chapel dedicated to Our Lady and then bravely fought off the French at Pamplona until a cannonball struck his legs, breaking one and wounding the other. Ignatius' conversion took place during his subsequent recovery from these grave injuries. After being wounded, he was brought back to the family castle and his sister-in-law, Magdalena, was the motherly figure who welcomed him and nursed him steadily back to health. And again, think about this because here we're talking about his sister-in-law, the motherly figure. We should also be thinking our Blessed Mother, kind of like taking the place there of our Blessed Mother, our Blessed Mother working through his sister-in-law. Ignatius asked Magdalena to provide him with romantic and chivalrous books to read. But the good woman gave him devotional books instead, including a life of Christ. This is something that I think is so beautiful. You know, she gives him instead a life of Christ, which, again, it's, it's so... It's the word. I mean, it's just so indicative of the actions of our Blessed Mother, that she draws us to her Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, encouraging us, moving us to look to Him, to know Him, to love Him. So anyway, the good woman gave him devotional books instead, including a life of Christ by the Carthusian monk Ludolf of Saxony and the lives of the saints by the Dominican James of Voragine. These books played a key role in Ignatius' conversion. Ignatius was so taken by the life of Christ that he filled over 300 pages in a notebook with extracts from the book, carefully writing out the words of Christ in red ink and the words of Mary in blue ink. As Ignatius thought of what Christ and Mary had said and done, and as he reflected upon the lives of the saints, a spiritual hunger was awakened in his soul. Don't forget this, because this is, it's the blueprint, this doesn't change. This is the blueprint for conversion, and every single one of us needs a conversion. But the way for us to truly have a conversion, for that spiritual hunger to grow in our souls, we have to follow the example of St. Ignatius. And what is it that he was doing? He was thinking, again, thinking about, reflecting on what Christ and Mary had said and done. The life of Christ, the life of Mary. And he reflected upon the lives of the saints. After he had recovered sufficiently to walk again, Ignatius resolved to begin a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, to kiss the earth where our Lord had walked, and to do strict repentances. His plan was confirmed by a remarkable vision of the Virgin Mary and the infant Jesus, which he experienced one night. This resulted in much consolation to him. Subsequently, St. Ignatius went to pray at the shrine of Our Lady of Aransasu, a Marian sanctuary in the village of Oñate. 
He made a vigil of prayer there before a statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary, during which he pledged to live his life like Jesus. In March of 1522, he visited the Benedictine monastery of Santa Maria de Montserrat. There he carefully examined his past sins, confessed, gave his fine clothes to the poor he met, wore a garment of sackcloth, and then hung his sword and dagger at the Virgin's altar, the Black Madonna, during an overnight vigil at this shrine. St. Ignatius and his first seven companions, which included one of the greatest saints, St. Francis Xavier, they became the founding core of the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits, and they made their first vows at Montmartre in Paris on the Feast of the Assumption of Our Lady, August the 15th, 1534. After Pope Paul III approved the Society of Jesus in 1540, the first Jesuits pronounced their religious vows before the image of the Virgin Mary at the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls in Rome. The next example is St. Philip Neri, or, or Neri. St. Philip Neri was born in the year of our Lord 1515 in Florence, Italy. So he was more or less a contemporary of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He was one of the great saints of the 16th century and is known as the Apostle of Rome. Apostle of Rome because of so many of the Romans that he converted. From his earliest years he had a tender devotion towards the Blessed Virgin Mary and tried to inspire the same in others. He called her his joy and his consolation. To those whom he counseled and served, he recommended most earnestly devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And he taught them to say often, Virgin Mary, Mother of God, pray to thy Jesus for me. Virgin Mary, Mother of God, pray to thy Jesus for me. Moreover, he was most zealous in imitating the virtues of the Blessed Virgin. And here, listen up, the children, the young people that are here. Particularly did he practice obedience. Even as a child, he was obedient in everything to his parents. St. Philip Neri. Indeed, he had such a high esteem of this virtue that he said, Obedience is the shortest and surest way to perfection. St. Philip's love of God remained steadfast through many trials and sufferings. His motives were misunderstood. He was betrayed and calumniated by evil-minded people and his health was delicate. But all this did not overcome his spirit or his devotion. In the last years of his life, he was suddenly cured of a painful illness by a vision of the Virgin Mary. Oh, my most precious queen, he cried out, I do not deserve that thou shouldst come to me. When asked by the physician present what he meant, he answered, Did you not see the Blessed Virgin who came to heal me? And indeed he was cured and rose and went about his labors. He grew to be quite old and died as he lived under the protection of Mary. He died on May the 26th in the year of our Lord, 1595. A fourth example is Blessed Elizabeth Piccinardi of Mantua, Italy. Elizabeth Piccinardi was born in Mantua, Italy in the year of our Lord, 1428. 
in her infancy. So again, here the little children can listen and the parents too, so you can pray for these graces for your children. In her infancy, she preferred prayer and recollection to childish pastimes, thus foreshadowing the great sanctity to which she would one day attain. During Elizabeth's childhood, her mother died. Animated with lively devotion to our Blessed Mother, Elizabeth joined the Third Order of the Servants of Mary. So she was a consecrated layperson. From that time on, her whole life was one continual exercise of the most sublime virtues. She meditated continually on the passion of Jesus and the sorrows of Mary. And she never let a day pass without purifying her soul in the sacrament of penance that she might receive the Holy Eucharist with greater spiritual fruit. She fasted frequently and always wore an iron chain next to her skin. Her holiness and example attracted many noble ladies to the service of God. Under her wise direction, these persons attained a high degree of perfection. Many convents of the Servite sisters were founded with the help of Blessed Elizabeth. The Virgin Mary was pleased to visit her servant Elizabeth many times in her poor cell, joining in familiar conversation with her. So great was Elizabeth's power of intercession that it sufficed for anyone to recommend himself to her prayers for him to then obtain from the Virgin Mary all the graces he desired. Thus Elizabeth was known as the mediatrix with the mother of God. The mediatrix with the mother of God. It is generally thought that Blessed Elizabeth never lost her baptismal innocence. Moreover, she possessed the gift of prophecy to a high degree. And among other things, she foretold the day of her death, which occurred in the year of our Lord, 1468, during the 41st year of her life. She then had the privilege of contemplating the child Jesus and his most holy mother, who were present to assist her in the passage from time to eternity. And the last example is one, again, especially for the children, because it's a great saint, but it mostly has to do with him when he's four years old. And that's the example of Saint John Marie Vianney. Saint John Marie Vianney, the holy curé of ours, he lived through the horrific French Revolution. He lived from 1786 to 1859. John Marie's devout mother, again, kind of our blessed mother working through our earthly mothers. John Marie's devout mother, Marie Vianney, consecrated him along with his five siblings, to the Blessed Virgin Mary, even before his birth. At 18 months, so listen up parents, if you have your little newborn children, you can strive to follow this example. At 18 months, John Vianney had already learned to join his hands in prayer and to lisp the names of Jesus and Mary. The admirable virtues of his mother passed into his heart. St. John Vianney credits after God his mother with the singular graces which he received. When John Marie was four years old, he had a rosary which he greatly prized. His sister Marguerite 
18 months younger, took a liking to her brother's beads and of course wished to get possession of them. It came to a scene between brother and sister. There was screaming, stamping of feet, and even a preliminary skirmish. When suddenly, full of grief, John Marie ran to his mother. Gently but firmly, she bade him give the beads to his sister. Yes, my darling, give them to her for love of the good God. So again, the words of his mother to four-year-old John Marie. Yes, my darling, give them to her for love of the good God. John Marie, though bathed in tears, immediately surrendered his precious rosary. His mother, in turn, gave him a small wooden statue of Our Lady. Almost 70 years later, the Holy Cure confessed, Oh, how I loved that statue. Neither by day nor by night would I be parted from it. I should not have slept had I not had it beside me in my little bed. The Blessed Virgin was the object of my earliest affections. I loved her even before I knew her. Later on, one evening, when he was still four years old, still four years old, John Marie left the house unnoticed. As soon as his mother became aware of his absence, she called him, but no answer came. With ever-increasing anxiety, she searched all over for him. Finally, she found him in the corner of the stable among the cattle. There was her little boy on his knees, praying with folded hands before his little statue of Our Lady. St. John Marie Vianney teaches, quote, If you invoke the Blessed Virgin when you are tempted, she will come at once to your help and Satan will leave you. Close quote. And so now in less than two minutes, so I'm going to zip through them. In less than two minutes, I'll just list for you ten simple ways to practice devotion to Mary during this month of May. One, pray a Hail Mary in honor of the Archangel Gabriel who brought this prayer from heaven to earth. Two, pray three Hail Marys in reparation for the blasphemies uttered against the Blessed Virgin Mary. Three, pray three Hail Marys for the virtue of holy purity. Four, receive Holy Communion or make a spiritual communion, doing your best to unite yourself to Mary's dispositions at the Annunciation. Five, mortify your sight once or more in honor of Mary's modesty. Six, make a visit to a shrine, altar, or image of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Seven, burn a blessed candle I don't have it here, but you can, or you can bring flowers too, but here I have a blessed candle, flowers too, but seven, burn a blessed candle before her image or picture. Eight, give an alms specifically in honor of Mary's poverty. Nine, pray seven Hail Marys in honor of Mary's seven dollars. And number ten, before going to sleep, pray the litany of Loretto, and imitate the infant Jesus by placing yourself spiritually 
in Mary's arms. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.